I could just listen to that music all day. I know. That it is just good really stuff. gets you going. It does. Um, Very exciting. Welcome to Casting Nets, everyone. We've been gone for two weeks, but now here we are back. I'm Pastor Dave Rudot. I'm joined with Pastor Will Harley. That would be me. And on the northern campus here in Shirley, we're back to talk more about scandalous stories. And I know. I've missed them. This episode brought to you by... Well, we want to do good coffee. Good or coffee. We, or should we talk? Uh, be brought to you by something new? We could be brought to you by something new. You want to know what the new thing is? Sure. Forgiveness. I'm, forgiveness. <laughs> it's always new. It's new every morning. That's awesome. Yeah. This show brought to you by Forgiveness Good Coffee. This show featured on And we forgive Forward you for in, not drinking good coffee. Yeah, that's right. This show featured on Forward in Christ. So in your February edition of the Forward in Christ, there is a write-up on Casting Nets podcast. So yeah. if you are listening to this podcast- And they quote podcast, you. Yeah, that's because I, I submitted it. <laughs> if I submitted it, then they'll, they'll quote me because I wrote something. Although, <clears throat> yeah, they did take some liberties with the quote, but that's that's fine because that's the way the media media is. It is, yeah. 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 As long as the gist is, of it, yeah. All publicity is good publicity. So anyway, so if you're listening to the show because of that, welcome. Uh, we are two pastors having a conversation, uh, talking to you about uh, God's word, and we hold ourselves to God's Word and the Lutheran Confessions, but we are having a conversation. We are letting you in on two pastors just freely uh, with our free thoughts. Sometimes uh, they are corrected as we go through God's Word, as we interact with one another. Uh, it's kind of the idea how God brings a church together, that we uh, encourage one another and correct one another. Will does most of the correcting. I do most of the encouraging. I don't know if that's necessarily true. I do most of the the talking, and then you come out with like the the good theological content. So anyway, as we are uh, having this conversation together, we are um, prone to maybe say something that is not what we intended to say. Maybe it is something we intend to say, but uh, you want some clarification. So we encourage you to clarify it and have those conversations with us. This is meant to be the beginning of a conversation and not the end. So contact us. Uh, you can see us in person at St. John and Maribel. Uh, that's for Pastor Will Harley. Or you can see us in me in person at Emmanuel and Shirley. You can email us, castingnetspod at gmail.com. You can contact us on Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. Or you and, can listen to something else. Today we're talking about scandalous stories, as uh, radical forgiveness, for a new a forgiveness that apparently is new. It is new. It's this new thing. It's this new thing that has never been, except when it was pronounced new. There you go. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So without further ado, uh, what else do we have to say? Oh, and if you like what we have to say, yes, um, you can write a review for us. You can share this information. We are giving you permission to share this information. Don't just keep this awesomeness to yourself. Um, you're like, I know somebody out there who's got a sweater vest that likes sweater vests. There's only one. <laughs> there's, a, there's only one other person. That <laughs> that's Maddie. And that's because for whatever reason. <laughs> She's being brainwashed by her parents. <laughs> He's being brainwashed. No, 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 not brainwashed. <laughs> He's brainwashed. <laughs> <laughs> She's, being, She's being brought up right is what we, he what is, we like to call yes. it. So anyway, if you, like, if you like what we have to say, give us a good review. Don't give us a five-star review. Give us a four-star review. And uh, if we get five-star, our heads will just, my head will explode. It's so big already. Will's heart head has some time. Some wait, wait I have some so expansion. Give, yeah, you can you can you can uh, expand his head a little bit, but mine, please don't. Uh, so give us four star review, sh like us, share us, follow us, uh, click the little bell if you're watching on YouTube, so that you can see when new videos are 
Right, yeah, I'll and actually, it. what you should do here's what we should do. Then, and, and this will be a challenge for any of our listeners as they they listen. Post to our Facebook page pictures of them listening with good coffee. Ooh, there you go. Then, then we there's a challenge. So let's see if any of our listeners actually listen. <laughs> <laughs> let's make it fun. There All you right. go. Without further ado, let's go on to our topic. So we're back. So we're back. Yeah, we are back. We get to talk about uh, some Matthew today. Um, Matthew eighteen, yeah. Matthew eighteen. This is a good section for us to talk about. Let's talk about forgiveness, which apparently is new. It is, and uh, the, it was the, new to the person that we're going to be talking about today. Actually, both people. One doesn't get it. Yeah, the chapter starts off with Jesus talking about uh, forgiving, and all of a sudden now it's in Jeremiah. Well, that's because Jeremiah is also a very good book. On new stuff. On new stuff, absolutely. Matthew 18. <laughs> Technology uh, is wonderful. Verse 21 is where you'd, uh, if you've got your Bibles, open it up to verse 21. We are reading from the EHV, the English Heritage Version. Um, and we'll uh, transfer us over. Transfer us over. Yeah. Any minute now. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is what happens when we uh, um, don't do this on a regular basis. Oh, there we are. Okay, good we are. All right. Um, Matthew 18, starting at verse 21. Then Peter came up and asked Jesus, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother when he sins against me? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you as many as 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle them, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Because the man was not able to pay the debt, the master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, children, and all that he owned to repay the debt. Then the servant fell down on his knees in front of him saying, Master, be patient with me and I will pay you everything. The master of that servant had pity on him, released him, and forgave him the debt. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began choking him, saying, Pay back, pay me what you owe. So the fellow servant fell down and begged him, saying, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and threw the man into prison until he could pay back what he owed. When the fellow servants saw what had happened, they were very distressed. They went and reported to their master everything that had taken place. Then his master called him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt when you begged me to. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? His master was angry and handed him over to the jailers until he could pay back everything he owed. This is what my heavenly father will do to you unless each one of you forgives his brother from his heart. So <clears throat> there's a lot to talk about in this. Um, you want to start with uh, the context? I, I kind of want to start with the context. I want to, I want to, 
you know, if you go into the beginning of chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 8, you, you get this argument that's being cropped up with uh, the disciples wondering who's greater and who's who's not. Um, and then you go from there to a little bit of a parable of a lost sheep, right? Um, and then you come to um, the probably one of the greatest condensed versions of how we are supposed to approach each other in bringing back one who's been lost. So how do we go in and confront them in their sin? And then how do we win them back, you know, doing that work, Matthew 18. Then you get the the really the, the lead in, which is going and doing that work of bringing the law to condemn the sin, to bring them back in repentance, and then offer the forgiveness of sins. Then you have Peter who comes up and says, okay, I, I'm, I'm following you on this, but how often do we do that? And and really, Peter is being kind of gracious here because, you know, Peter's Peter's opening up the door and he says, you know, should we do it seven times? And, and in the society in which he lived, you know, three times, you know, you know, three strikes, you're out. We gave you three opportunities to, to clean up your act, three opportunities not to, to do what you were doing again, and then we write you off. Um, and so Peter is being a little bit more magnanimous, and he's saying, you know, seven, seven times. times. Yeah. Um, I, I like that we went through the context because so oftentimes when people who are feeling with abusive situations, whether somebody is emotionally abusive to that individual, they'll use this section. Well, you say, well, you have to forgive me. Well, this section comes after the part about confronting your fellow believer who is who is who has sinned against you. So there's there there isn't uh, this uh, the responsibility for when you have two people falls on both individuals. So if somebody has uh, sinned against you, they, they need to be brought to repentance, and also the person who is uh, dealing with that individual needs to think about what it means to forgive. And that's where we're talking about today. And so oftentimes this section, this this text is used by the abuser to say, well, you have to forgive me and I can't, I don't have to change. We have to understand when it comes to a relationship with two people, it has, it, both of them are involved. Well, and, and interestingly enough, you know, the Lord, even if you used, if you would take the context out and you just use this section alone and say, okay, um, you, the abuser wants to say, okay, you you have to forgive me. Notice how the Lord begins the entirety of this scandalous story, which is that the king wants to settle the account. So there, 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 there's an accountability. There's a repentance that is coming. And then it says he began to settle them. <laughs> so, so, I mean, even if you want to say, well, I'm, you have to forgive me. Well, okay, we're settling accounts. This is the point. The, 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 it's going back to um, what was in starting at verse 15 in Matthew 18, which is, this is how you settle accounts. This is the process by what we are doing. We are moving our way from, you didn't think you were doing anything wrong, putting things on your account over and over and over and over and over again, to now things have to be settled. You, you, there's no more room on your account. Mm-hmm. And, and Jesus, he even says that to Peter, you know, in in response to Peter, he says, you know, if if everything is as it should be in Matthew 15 or 18 verse 15, you just keep forgiving. You, I mean, he, he pretty much says you have an unlimited forgiveness. But he then paints for Peter the story of the, the scandalous story of what happens when it doesn't work out. And and I think that's where this where the scandalous story hits is because the goal is you want to forgive. The goal is you do forgive no matter how big the debt is. But on the flip side, when there is no mercy, 
right? When when forgiveness is is given without any type of repentance involved, when when the law has not done its work, that you can't do that. That doesn't work. And that, and so we have that going into the scandalous story. And we live in this world where we want to be forgiven. We I mean we seek to be forgiven. People want to have what they know is wrong be swept under the, the rug and forgotten. We don't like to confront who we are and, and have to come to terms with the fact that I don't deserve it, one. Number two, if I receive something I don't deserve, that should change me <laughs> to be different. Um, and so when, when that doesn't happen, that's, that's really where you get the scandalous story. Mm-hmm. And that, that's where sort of they connect. Yeah. Okay. So Peter, very good. So Peter says, he's being generous and saying, hey, let's, what about seven times? Doesn't seven sound like a good number? And that's my, uh, that's my Alexa going off. Um, <clears throat> and so then he says to, then Jesus gives that response of not seven times, but 77 times, which I thought was an interesting uh Quote from the EHV Study Bible, that which you you have right there, right? Um, I don't have the Study Bible, but oh, okay. I do have their. Um, some of the notes are very similar. You, are you referring to uh, or seventy times seven? Yeah, which one is it? Right, where if, if it's the uh, Septuagint version of uh, Lamex. Seriously, <laughs> uh, Lamex uh, boasts in uh, Genesis chapter four, verse twenty-four, when Lamex says. Um, if Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech is going to be avenged 77 times. So in Hebrew, there is 77. And the Greek Septuagint of that is the same exact phrase as we have here in Matthew. So whether it's 70 times seven or 77 times, the point is, is a lot more than seven and a lot more than three. Well, and, and I think that's the, the, what you, what you're getting at is <clears throat> it's really easy to keep a scorecard for three. And it's really easy to keep a scorecard for seven. Um, but it, it becomes a lot more difficult to keep a scorecard for 77 because, you know, hopefully that same sin is not consecutively being done. Um, you know, so if it's if that same sin happens to be something that they struggle with and they fall into every other month or something like that, it's very difficult for you to, to um, – look at that and, and, and keep the scorecard going. So the Lord's intent was don't keep a scorecard at all. Just, you know, if they come back and they are repentant, you forgive that it, it just, let's recycle this and, and make this happen. And yeah. And why, how, how can we do that? Cause that's not something that is something that is naturally because Jesus says from the heart, not just <laughs> words that you spew out, right? This is a real forgiveness. And, and so he's going to give us this parable that's going to illustrate how we can forgive. Well, and and oddly enough, when you say it's from the heart, it's one of those things where um, it makes it new because the natural inclination of the heart is to turn away from forgiveness. And and we're going to talk more about that and we can talk more about that, but that's, so it is new. It is something that is new in the world that, that what you think you are owed or should be paid or should be punished isn't. That's new. That, that's a new concept that, that is adverse to everything we do. I agree. And I really appreciate it in the book that we're reading, the Scandalous Stories book uh, that we're reading that kind of preps us for this in, in the fact that he says that forgiveness feels wrong. And I thought 
that was a kind of a neat way of saying it because, and in comparison to your point as well, where to forgive someone isn't a natural thing. We naturally keep score. We naturally want to make sure somebody pays for what we've done, but to let it go is something where it just, it feels wrong. It feels like we're, we're giving up our rights, giving up what we are entitled to. Absolutely. Uh, and so, I mean, in, in, in the scandalous story, he, he really gives us what I think is just a beautiful um, juxtaposition, right? So he starts out by, he, he has a, a ruler, a king who's calling in his debts, and he calls in a man who owes him 10,000 talents. Now, 10,000 talents is an exuberant amount. I mean, there is no way that this man is ever going to be able to pay this amount of money. Um, in the, some of the notes that you have, depending on what Bible you're using, um, the EHV gives a really good note that says it is 60 million days wages, <laughs> 60 million days wages. Um, each talent was worth 6,000 denarii and a denarii was worth one day's wage. That's an exuberant amount. I mean, if you think about that, that there is, there's absolutely no way that he is going to be able to pay this. Now there's two things that come to mind when I think of this. First of all, is sometimes we, when we are approaching God's law and we look at God's law and, and God's law is the mirror, right? And it shows us our sin and shows us how far we have fallen. There's people out there that say God would never give us a law that we could not keep, right? Because that would be unfair. It would be unfair that he would give us something that we couldn't do. But this sort of speaks against it. God allowed, this this king allowed this man to rack up a bill that no one would ever be able to pay. And he was allowed to rack that up. And then it was called due. And everyone could look at the king and say, well, that's unfair. Why did he allow him to take so much money that he knew he wouldn't be able to pay? That seems unfair. It's not the king's fault that they continued to take outside of their means. We That's, just yeah, we just talked about this last night in confirmation, talking about the jealous God. How can God rightly be jealous? Every time we think of jealousy, we think of a negative thing. Like this is you're jealous over your somebody looking at your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend the wrong way, or you're jealous because somebody has a nicer house than you. You have it, and all of those times, it's you're wanting something that doesn't belong to you. And for God, we are His possession, and for Him to be jealous of us isn't a sinful because we belong to Him. So. Um, isn't this is not a bad thing? And as God has put said that you belong to me, He wants us to live a certain way. He wants us to have everything good, and He knows what everything is good is, and that is the the Ten Commandments completely, the God's moral law, perfection, holiness, righteousness, the whole ball of wax. This is what God said. This is good, and I want this for my people, and uh, for for us to rack up the bill. And we might think it's unfair, but from God's perspective, uh, he has given us everything that is good. This is all the good stuff, and you have squandered it. Well, and that and that comes back down to it, right? So he, he he's allowed to keep continuing to, to gather the bill, continuing to rack this up, continuing to to add more and more and more. You know, you can go back to to Romans chapter one. God allowed them to to go to the debasement of their mind and their bodies, right? Why did he do that? Because he had given them all of this good stuff. He had given them everything that they had needed, um, and then they squander it all. 
And they continue to squander it all. <clears throat> so what happens is the, the, the amazing part maybe about the whole thing is this guy, he, he, he's called the task. The, the punishment is, is given, which is, okay, you can't handle it. Because you can't handle it, here's the punishment. You're, we're going to sell you as a slave, sell your entire family as a slave, your children as a slave, um, and try to recuperate at least a little bit of what you have spent. And he, he falls to his knees and he asks for patience. Um, and then he says, I will repay. There is absolutely no amount of payment that you could make towards that to, to even make a dent. Um, I find that amazing. I find that amazing because that's us. <laughs> um, I've broken every one of God's rules numerous times, all the time. Oh, but God, just be patient with me. I'll do better. <laughs> As if that's going to correct the problem. I, I like the fact because it illustrates the point that there, there really isn't any way that this servant can pay him back. It's the same way with us. There's no way we can pay God back. And so the whole reason why he shows forgiveness is not because the individual deserves it, or that because of the individual made this big promise, the deal that it will somehow that that won the king over as if he could be bribed this way. The the king forgives the debt only because this is from the king, right? The, the and the mercy of the king. The king looking at at his predicament and saying, "I'm going to treat him not the way that that predicament deserves, but in a favorable way." Right. And and, and here is the the here so. So what happens is, <clears throat> like you said, um, pity is found within the king, and and he releases the debt. Many translations translate that as mercy, right? That that he the king shows mercy, forgives. Um, I want to spend just a, a little bit of time because this is the unmerciful. This is the scandalous story of the unmerciful servant. But I want to spend a little bit of time on just kind of unpacking the concept of mercy and, and this concept of being released. Um, and the reason I want to take a minute is because sometimes we confuse mercy and grace. And, and, I, and I think that um, that's, that's a dangerous place to be. Um, most of the time, you know, you have the, the, the general greeting that Paul will say, grace, mercy, and peace be yours. Because there's a transition as you work your way down um, how this flows. Mercy is is unique in the sense that it doesn't give you what you deserve. That's what that's what mercy is. So mercy, if a very basic definition, is not getting what you deserve. So if you deserve punishment, you don't get punishment. But the thing that mercy does not encapsulate is what happens after. You see, mercy sets you back to zero. So this, think of it like this. This man, he comes out, and he's received forgiveness from the king, right? He's received mercy from his debt. He still has no money. He's at zero, okay? So, so, this, is the, this, is, so this is where we, we make this delineation between grace and mercy. Grace gives us what we don't deserve. So... What we what we deserve is is sin, death, punishment. We deserve we we deserve hell. Grace gives us heaven, gives us the goodness of God. Not it doesn't set us to zero. It gives us over and abundance, so we always have always have more grace upon grace, more and more and more. Mercy sets you to zero, and this is something very important for when we talk about how we are to forgive others. 
because as we forgive other people, we're not saying, okay, I forgive you. Now I provide everything for you. That's not what this parable is about. This is about mercy. This is forgiveness. I'm not going to hold you accountable, but I'm not giving you any more either. <laughs> um, and, and I, so I don't, maybe that's not where you wanted to go, but that's, I think something that we need to, to kind of figure. Uh, I can go on a rant. You want me to go on a rant? Go on a rant. Go. <laughs> uh, what always seems to bother me about the conclusion of the Ten Commandments teaching it in confirmation class is not what Luther wrote in his explanation where he says he promises grace and every blessing for those who keep these commandments. It's our explanations and the and the diagrams in our con, in the in in both of in the new catechism and in the old catechism is where it has that word mercy in there that God will give us mercy and it, to me it doesn't make any sense if you keep the commandments of God perfectly one hundred percent of the time you don't need God's mercy right because you you've done everything so grace is his favor like he is going to give us things like he's going to give us heaven he's going to give us blessing you know all these things God his face has shined towards us. Mercy, grace, I understand, because that's what Luther wrote. Blessing, I understand, because that's what you know, Luther wrote. And, of course, not just because Luther wrote it, because it's God there in the Bible. It. Yeah, God wrote it. Yeah. The, the catechism has its source from the Bible, so it's not new stuff. But uh, those, I, don't, I don't know what, and it, the proof passages they have was, is Mary's song, Magnificat, where she says, uh, he, he shows mercy on all those who fear him, Right. Fear him, so that's a, an acute awareness of God in all of His aspects. Whereas in the conclusion of the of the commandments, we are talking about fearing His anger. So you know, this is this isn't the totality of God. This is just the God who's going to threaten to punish, and the God who's going to promise to bless. Um, so you're the, the threaten to punish part. That's where the part where you go, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to anger. That's where the fear comes in, the awareness of the the punishment. So anyway, rant done. So well, when and- <laughs> I write my catechism, it is not going to have mercy in the conclusion illustration. Well, but you know, it, it, there is something beautiful though in the in the sense of <clears throat> the way the catechism is set up. They set it up to to kind of walk you down that that road of revealing grace, and so you know it it does. Yes, I understand when you are when you when you look at it and you 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 say okay, well, but what did Luther's intent? What did he want to leave people? He didn't want to leave people in the I don't have anything and I'm a dirty rotten sinner. He wanted to leave them with grace, which is I have everything because of Christ. Yeah, right. But but in the flow of the catechism, just in their defense, in the flow of the catechism, they don't want you to stop <laughs> at the conclusion. <laughs> they want you to you move want to go on, on the <laughs> to here's now here's now God working for you I and agree. here's grace. I, so so go to the articles. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, here's here's God the Father who created and preserves and protects. Here's God the Son who's redeemed. Here's God the Holy Spirit who is sanctified. And here's how he has done it. Here's, you know, so we're 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 trying to lead you through the the entirety of the catechism to say, okay, this is the beginning and this is a really meager story and it, and it, it when we look at the law and we say it's perfect and good and it's right but I, we have fallen from it we need mercy we really do and and you can't remove yourself from the conversation of we need mercy that 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 is a that is a truism um but it doesn't fix our standing so so the man in this and coming back to the story the man here and I'm not saying what he did is right but you can understand why he did it and and I think this is the this is the part that 
that always makes me stop and think because here's the justification that we do in our life. He is forgiven everything, but he comes out with nothing. He doesn't come out with a debt, which is good, right. but he doesn't come out with money either to live. And so now he justifies to himself, the only way for me to get money is to call in my debts that of what people owed me. Now it's not right. That's the point. <laughs> We're going to, we can talk yeah, about that. But sure, I don't know if that's the reason why he's trying to get ahead. I, th- I just think it's just the whole idea of he's completely missed the point. He thought he escaped the bullet. Didn't realize that he had to also be that kind of a person too. Well, and I agree with you, mm-hmm. but, but I mean, if you think about it, here's, and this is how where, where my brain goes on this, it, that's the rationale. The rationale is I can get ahead now. I can get a day's wage or, or a couple days wage. What is it? Um, I, either way. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's, he's not affected or whether he's trying to get ahead and he's, he's not affected, but he's still either not way, affected. He's still not affected. <laughs> and, and I agree with that. And the mercy, mercy did not affect him in any way. Um, and so all it is, is judgment. Uh, all it is, is, is condemnation. Um, and that's something that, that I think our society really struggles with um, is judgments. And, and so forgiveness is a new thing. And um, in the book, it was really interesting. I thought it was very interesting. He had made mention that um, if you follow the memes uh, throughout um, the progression, John 3.16 used to be really, you know, right up right. For, for the forefront. And instead it's Matthew 7 where uh, judge uh, not lest ye be judged. Um, this that That's uh, marking James. <laughs> but that's the been the the trending don't judge me type of thing and we go back to God's word and really you know they're missing the point the the the, the point is grace the point is mercy the point is taking away what we think we are owed or what you think what what you think should be paid whether you're owed it or not and 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 putting that aside and saying all right we're going to start over. This is, and that's that's the beauty of forgiveness. We get to start over. I liked how he said in the book, uh, "Judgment is the enemy of faith." Like, what is going to keep your faith going is not uh, you standing up or you pointing out the sins of others, but what's going to keep your faith going is being in the Word of God and reflecting on how the debt that you owed God, and now He has, um, because of Jesus, has removed that debt. And not only removed that debt, but given you everything, given you the righteousness, given you the ability to do what is right, uh, given the world back to you so, so that you can uh, live freely in this world as a Christian, uh, given you your, um, giving you heaven, all, all, all of those blessings that God gives you because of what Jesus has done. That's what we should be about. But judgment will kill that if, the, if we are going to start. And it's not that we shouldn't be looking at the sins of others or we shouldn't be doing that. But what is our focus? What is our worldview? What is our, What are we spending our, our time and our energy on? Sure. And, and really, the sinful nature spends a lot of time and energy on judgment. It spends a lot of time and energy on accusations and it spends a lot of time and energy on, on ourself and saying, what does the world owe me? You know, why can't I be like, or why can't I have, why do they get and I don't get? Um, and, and, the Lord is trying to remove that so that we don't have a ruthless judgment that permeates throughout the, the world, but instead we have uh, hope and comfort. We have 
uh, forgiveness. Um, but it, 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 it still comes back down to it. And maybe this is, this is part of the take home that's worth being talked about is in life, you are going to be confronted with opportunities to practice this. Um, you're going to be confronted with opportunities in life to, to forgive somebody a debt that you think is unforgivable. And, and you're going to be called as the Christian you are to do this. Don't think that because you forgive, all of a sudden everything is is hunky dory roses and you know and 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 magic pill fix. Yes, the magic pill fix. This is not what what we're talking about. What we're talking about is 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 forgiveness in its very rudimentary, very wonderful form. Is saying okay. You didn't get any gains, but you didn't get any losses, and 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 so you're back at zero, and so okay, <laughs> try I, again. I, I, yeah. We're gonna try again, but but I'm you don't I don't owe you anything either. So so the person like you had started off saying that the 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 the, the chronic abuser, right? You have to forgive me because I okay. I'll, I'll forgive you, but that doesn't mean you get gains and you come back into this relationship with, you know, as if nothing happened. That's not what we're talking about. It means I'm not going to hold you accountable for what you did. That's gone, but you have nothing either. <laughs> so, so now we have to rebuild and, and we have to go forward because, because with that mercy, then, then flows grace and peace and the other gifts um, and sometimes there are people in life who don't get the grace and, and they may not get the peace, um, but they can be forgiven, but, but you can't be in that anymore. I think that's very powerful because of, of someone who's struggling with sin. I mean, there are certain sins that I struggle with too with my, in, in relationships where just that realization, okay, I have a new start now. I have a, the, the week is, is mine now. I've gone to the worst, gone to the Lord. My sins have been forgiven now I can start anew, but it doesn't mean that, uh, well, in God's perspective, God gives us everything we need, right? Um, but when it comes to relationships now, okay, I can start again. She's not going to bring up what I did last year or um, that sort of thing. My wife is awesome that way that she allows. She uh, is awesome. She is. She's um, totally worth more than what she got. Yes. <laughs> I married up. But being Didn't able to we start. All? <laughs> Being able to start from zero, and I think we every individual, I think in a marriage relationship, husband and wife with your wife, it's so much so easy just to, well, this is what she always did, or this is what she's done in the past, and I've I've talked about it. And now I have to talk to her about it again. Why is she doing it again, or why is he doing it again? And the the reflection of this aspect of forgiveness that forgiveness is showing mercy, going back to zero, eliminating the account from the past to empower you to do the future. You're not burdened with that guilt of the right. past. And, and, and I think it, it, the only relationship where, where once you are forgiven, you start out ahead is in the relationship with God. In, in the relationship with your Lord is the only relationship where when he pronounces forgiveness, he then opens up the gates of heaven and pours out his gifts. <laughs> that is the only relationship that happens. Um, in a relationship even with your wife, um, you know, it's you, you make a mistake and you deserve to be sleeping on the couch and you say, I'm sorry, you might still sleep on the couch. <laughs> I've never had to sleep on the couch. I, 
apparently you said sorry sooner and we're able to make up for it. <laughs> but, but, you know, there is, there is, um, work in rebuilding, in rebuilding those things. Um, I mean, you could, you could say that, that in a very earthly fashion, trust was, was destroyed in that whatever sin was. Mm-hmm. And so even though it, you, you're no longer being held accountable to it, you have to continue now to live as a trustworthy person to build back what what was destroyed in that person because they can't just turn on a switch and say, well, I'll trust you now. That's not how faith and trust works. It's something that's built into them. And so so when when even because of sin that's broken, you, you might be reset to zero, but it's reset to zero. Now now there's the buildup, right? So now there's the there's the as a forgiven person, how do I live? And it's not a law. It's I get to do this because I'm not burdened by what was what was around my neck in the past. I, I get to to engage in something better, and by God's grace, um, I can be better because He has poured out gifts and opportunities on me to do this work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is an amazing thing. Do every day. So, where do you want to go from here? Um. Well, you can go back to Jeremiah. <laughs> <laughs> Radical forgiveness. What are we going to be known for? Are we going to be known for people who are and and that's the thing where as a as a Christian church we are going to be pointing out sin, but what are we known for? Are we known for people who show mercy and show forgiveness and uh and being fueled to forgive others from coming from God, who's the only one who, who gives, who gives more than what yeah we deserve. I was thinking of the Lord's prayer where we say, "Forgive us our sins or forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who sin against us and again, every year we teach it in confirmation or I teach it every year in confirmation and uh I do too okay, good that's a good thing where it's it, the mantra sometimes people think well i gotta God only forgives me when I forgive others like I have to forgive them first like that's where the that's where the pattern starts, but the pattern starts with God, God forgiving us. And, and giving us, sending us back to zero, giving us the ability to look at our neighbor and the, our loved one who has sinned against us, who's repented, and say to them, "It's it's your guilt is canceled. You're forgiven." Well, that comes Jesus forgives you too. That that comes down to that old idiom, you know. That's that's not even in the scriptures anywhere. God helps those who help themselves, right? Um, and so we apply that to forgiveness too. God will only forgive me if I somehow can create a forgiving heart within myself. Um, but you you can't create something you don't know. You, you can't mimic, and I I wouldn't even say create. I would say mimic. You can't mimic something that you've you've never experienced. Um, we are we are like refined parrots, um, and sometimes we need to be reminded of it over and over and over again for it to finally click and stick in. But but we mimic in this world what our heavenly Father gives to us, and, and so this is where I would say this is the this is and and. And I've said this before to my members, and and hopefully, as long as God gives me breath, I will say it to my dying day. Um, come and receive His grace, His mercy, His forgiveness from His table, from His altar, as you come and and He serves you in the divine service, and He gives you His body and blood and bread and wine, and He pronounces this forgiveness over you, and from His table to your table at your home, that that forgiveness flows. And then from your table at home to the lives that you get to interact with in, in, in the world, that forgiveness will flow, but it starts at the Lord's table. That's where it starts.
The world is not yet free of sin. It is not yet free of the consequences of sin, but the world is free from retribution. God has sent his son Jesus to take our sins away, and he is now giving us a wonderful calling of forgiving others who have repented and and, uh, and come to us, and also giving them um, that wonderful forgiveness, letting them know that their past is forgotten, their future is theirs in Christ, empowered by his gifts and his word. You and I live freely within um, in the world that God has given to us, and we um, live a real life in Christ. <laughs>